the Independent Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin and Paul Sussex. Yes, welcome along to a new season of Grecian Talk. On this week's show, we look back at the uh, three games that have taken place so far this season. The win at Bristol Rovers, the uh, defeat in the Capital One Cup and Saturday's draw at Mansfield. We'll also discuss the new signings, David Wheeler and Sam Park in the departure of Steve Tully, as well as Brazil Day. Uh, look at League Two, plus uh, plenty more on this first Grecian Talk of the new season. Right, welcome along to you all and uh, welcome along also to... Paul Sussex and Paul Martin, who are with me both this week. Right, we'll get started straight away because we've got a packed show for you this week. And we'll start off with uh, the first game of the season. We'll go in chronological order uh, with <laughs> Exeter 2, Bristol Rovers 1. Hence, it was a great start to the season. After last season, when we lost 3-0 to uh, Morecambe at home on the opening day of the season, this was uh, a far better performance. Fairly even. Um, there were spells when uh, Rovers were in charge. There were spells when uh, Exeter were in charge. Good team performance. It was um, great to see uh, a goal from open play, which was uh, Parkins' uh, header. I'm not at all convinced that uh, it was an own goal. Definitely Parkins. Yeah, I, I thought everything worked um, well. I think better than uh, we were expecting or even hoped for. It was an excellent win and uh, Paul, similar approach to last season at home but with a big difference of an out-and-out target man in Sam Parkin up front who was superb, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't actually there last Saturday but all, by all accounts he did have a good game and I mean, it's so important when you're playing longer, well, when you're playing more direct football as Exeter or have been in the last couple of seasons to have the big man up there. The amount of times we made the point on the show last season and whilst watching the games that we needed a big, more muscular presence up front. Obviously, Curitan isn't that figure, O'Flynn isn't that figure, Bowser wasn't that figure either. But in Parkin, they look like they found the man to do the job. And uh, I think what's good about him as well, what's impressed me when I have seen him play, is that he seems equally adept with the ball at his feet as it is as he does when the ball's in the air. So I think if they were to play a more pressing, attacking, sort of passing game, he'd be equally adept at fitting in with that as well. So yeah, good signing, I think. Yeah, he does hold the ball up really well, doesn't he? And uh, sets up uh, chances for his teammates so looks to be a good addition as for Aaron Davis uh, Hans received some criticism last season including from us for uh, <coughs> some poor displays but he did impress against Rovers and set up Parkin's winner uh, he did a uh, very nice uh, cross into the box for Parkin he had another game good game at Mansfield on Saturday we were talking about this on the train on the way home um, trying to speculate why that was the case I think part of it may be that there's uh, David Wheeler on the other side and it just opens up the midfield a bit more, um, stretches our midfield and therefore the uh, the opposition in terms of dealing with it. And I think it's given Aaron Davis a lot more freedom to uh, and how he works, how he controls his uh, part of the field and uh, a bit more space to uh, to run as well. Um, I, I, I've been really very impressed. I mean, I've seen him in two games now this season plus the friendly at Yeovil Town, and I thought um, in all those games he's had very good games. 
Yeah, let's hope his good form continues. And uh, Paul, last season at home, City struggled to respond when the opposition equalised, as uh, Rovers did on, well, a week ago on Saturday. But against Rovers, they did, in the end, find a way to win. Yeah, and that's so important. It's a great sort of asset to have as a team when you can battle your way back after a setback, such as the opposition equalising. And I think, yeah, last season, a lot of times in the home games, when the opposition either scored first or equalised, City's heads would collectively drop. And um, I think you almost could feel that you, you saw it as unlikely that they'd get back into the game. But the fact that they were able to come back and get themselves a winner, especially considering there wasn't a great deal of time left when Rovers equalised as well, was uh, really impressive and really promising for the season ahead. Yeah, very much so. And uh, Hans Arter made a bit of a catching gaff in the first half of the Rovers game, but he made up for it with a series of fine saves. He is a good short stopper at this level, would you agree? I think he is. It was interesting looking at the Mansfield Town site this afternoon that uh, he was described as a, uh, a shop stopper. <laughs> I think that Rovers game that he fumbled, I think he just took his eye off the ball. I think he was looking to see where he wanted to put it and put it quickly. Then by taking the eye off, he made it um, look a bit, made himself look a bit silly. It's all great entertainment in many ways, but uh, my goodness, it doesn't have to make the heart stop at the time. But yeah, I, I think he's um, I think he's going to be having another good season. I think you know it is it's critical. He pulled off a really good save on um, Saturday as well, or maybe even two saves to um, keep us in the game. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, very much so indeed. And uh, right, we're going to discuss the QPR and Mansfield games a bit later on in the show, so stay tuned for that. But for now, we're going to discuss Steve Tully's departure. The uh, I don't know, don't know if he's called a veteran fullback, but he's certainly nearing that age. Anyway, he's gone to Tiverton Town. And Paul, he's been a great servant to the club, and what he lacked in skill certainly made up for in commitment. Yeah, he did. I mean, he's been he's been a good servant to the club, as you say, and I think he's been fairly integral as well through the rise up the leagues initially, and then well down it as well. Unfortunately, that he's been key in the Tisdale years, the era that's of success that's occurred in the last sort of five or six years, and he's always been there, the de- dependable figure at right back. Probably in his first few years at the club, one of the first names on the team sheet when he w- you knew he was going to be there to put in a good performance. As the uh, sort of quality of the leagues have increased, he's perhaps suffered a little bit. He's had some torrid times against certain wingers, but I mean that's going to happen when you step up in quality as he has done and he has had to do with the team. But um, yeah, so I think uh, he did obviously lack a certain amount of skill. He, his crossing wasn't always the best, but he always put in 110% and that's really all you can ask for from a man like him. And yeah, he's been a great servant. Yeah, and that's what made him a fan favourite, really, that commitment that he showed and displayed. Uh, Hence, he's dropped down four divisions to join Tiverton Town. Do you know why? Because he's surely still at least conference standard. I would have thought that he probably joined Tiverton Town because there weren't a lot um, of other offers on the table. Carroll came as a bit of a surprise because I'd I'd understood that he had um, a few opportunities coming up. I've no idea what actually happened to those. You know, I I think I've sort of guessed that um, possibly... Weymouth was an opportunity where you know where he came to us from, um, and that he would be having a significant coaching role. And in fact, at Tiverton, he doesn't have that coaching role. And there was some confusion as to whether he would be. At the end of the day, he's just joined Tiverton Town as a player. So presumably, he's done this as a, a stopgap. But I think once you've gone down that to that level, I think it's very hard to uh, climb back up, particularly at his age. So yeah, all very interesting for him. And of course, he uh, joins. Um, one of our favourites, Bertie Kozic. Tiverton, very ambitious with their new manager, John Clarkson, so it'll be interesting to see their 
well, what should really be, given the money they're spending, their rise up the divisions in the next few years. Uh, Paul, the departures of Tully and uh, Kevin Amankwa as well have given Jordan Moore Taylor and Aaron Dawson a chance to earn a first-team spot. Yeah, it's going to be a good battle, an interesting battle between those two youngsters to make the right-back slot their own this season. I was surprised to see Moore Taylor start there, actually. I thought that it was going to be Dawson, but Moore Taylor on his wrong side, really. But he's had some solid games so far. I know he got injured early on on Saturday, and Dawson came on for him. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I think Moore Taylor, I'm looking forward to seeing him play this season, perhaps maybe on in a more central or left-sided role, as that's where I think he prefers to play. But he's, he's a defender with a lot of promise, I think. And Dawson as well. Uh, he's shown little bits of promise in the cameos that he's had. So, I mean, it would be a worry if one or both of them got injured. I mean, the right-back slot is perhaps where you'd look as an opposing team as where extra a week, really, with the two youngsters in there, a choice of the two to play there. But, um, yeah, I think it's a good experience for both of them. And uh, eventually, I suppose, one of them probably will make the shirt their own. It'll be interesting to see who that is. Well, you'd think it would be Aaron Dawson, considering... More Taylor's more of a centre slash left back, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in that role uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, right, we're going to move on now and discuss the new signings, David Wheeler and Sam Parkin. We've already alluded to them a bit briefly, but uh, we'll do those so in more detail. Paul Wheeler has joined from Staines Town and has started all three games so far this season. What have your first impressions been of the young winger? Well, I've seen him play on a couple of occasions now. I saw him play the pre-season game against Swansea and uh, then the League Cup game against QPR and he's impressed me in both of them actually and I can see why he's been given a deal and I think it's great to just see Exeter playing with two orthodox wingers on both sides and I think it makes a diff- big difference to their forward play and uh, Wheeler is quick, he's direct, he likes to take, get the ball down, take a man on and then try and get something in the box and he's also strong in the air as well against QPR in the first half. He won a lot of flick-ons against the QPR left-back and uh, so I think he'll prove to be a big asset over the course of the season if he stays fit and if he stays consistent. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it just makes a nice change to see them playing with wingers and Wheeler, I think, will be a big asset as the season goes on. Yeah, and I think, uh, Hans, an undisclosed fee was, play, uh, was paid to Staines for Wheeler, but uh, given the budget restraints, it couldn't have been much. I don't think it would have been very much. I think there were uh, two things come to play in this one would have been Stain's time would have been more than happy to have given Wheeler his chance at professional football and to uh, make up for lack of a fee then I would have thought any sell on that uh, there would be a large chunk that would go to Stain's time for him you know 10-20% maybe He um, it's great to watch him he's very much someone who uh, wants you to if you sit and watch football he'd make you want to stand and watch it when he gets the ball because it's uh, very different from what we've seen for the last couple of seasons it makes it all very interesting He's looked good so far and he looks good in the air as well, surprisingly, given his looks like a, a thin winger, but he, he does get up and jump well and uh, is a bit of an aerial presence as well, which is a, a boost. Right, Hans, will stick with you. Sam Parkin returns to England after a spell in Scotland. He's earned himself the tag of a bit of a journeyman striker who's suffered in the past with injuries, but his spell at Swindon back in around the 2005 era shows that he could be an excellent signing. I think we've been very pleased with him so far. He seems to be fit, eager to play. He presents an interesting um, style uh, you know, in terms of options for uh, the City. He can head the ball, and I think what we most like seeing him do is to control the ball and uh, lay it off. I think um, there's a comment from Paul Tisdale on after the Mansfield game that perhaps shows some of the uh, problems that he's causing in terms of, I think, he's too much of a target man. 
think uh, Tisdale talked about decision making and sometimes they were making the ball making sure the ball went forward to parking when there were perhaps um, other options and better options. So I think we've got some um, working out to do just exactly how Sam Parking is used, who his partner is and uh, what that formation is. Um, I, I think we're going to persist with um, John O'Flynn but we've got to get that balance between the midfield and feeding t to him and I think maybe um, the likes of Doherty and Alan Gow being in the team might be um, better for uh, Parking to, um, to deliver the goods. Grecian talk. All right, we're, we're going to move on now and discuss the uh, Capital One Cup defeat uh, six, what was it, six days ago uh, against Queen's Park Rangers, a 2-0 defeat. Paul, it was a good effort against a strong QPR side, but City, in the end, were ultimately outclassed. Yeah, they were, but I think they can take heart. They could take heart from the performance that they put in. I mean, the early goal obviously didn't help immediately. It put extra on the back foot. It meant they were playing catch-up, and it was a lucky goal as well, obviously, with the deflection. I think if that hadn't gone in, then it would have been a much better first half, really, because Exeter would have perhaps given, been given more space going forward as QPR would have left a few more holes. But the early goal meant that QPR could, to an extent, just sit back and soak up the pressure that Exeter did put on them. I thought that there were impressive displays from the likes of Reed going forward and people like Moore Taylor at the back as well, so it was a good experience from the youngsters but and I think at the end of the day the side that QPR put out was always going to be too strong really I mean there's full internationals on the pitch and um, well yeah I mean it was good in a way to see Redknapp and QPR respect the competition but from an extra point of view it meant that they were always going to be a bit too strong I think but they did well and I think they could take heart from the performance. Yeah very much so Hans uh, Liam Serkham impressed making some of the midfield bursts that we're used to seeing from him he's worked hard to regain full fitness and do you agree? He looks back to his best. No, I, I don't think we've got the um, the raw rawness that he had. I think when he uh, first uh, saw him in his first season, I think too often he's mediocre. He's too often looking lost in midfield. I don't think he's entirely got um, a proper role. Too often, I think he's um, a bit like James Dunn. You know, runs around a lot. He's got to have uh, a more idea of what he's doing. There's a lot more for him to to do. I think. Um, he could be a huge, big disappointment uh, if he carries on as he is. He's not. He's no Tommy Doherty, or he's no Alan Gow either. You know, he's not. He hasn't got a clear role. He's got uh, huge improvements to make. Okay, right. As for his uh, midfield compatriot Scott Bennett, Paul, he looked has looked a bit lost at times this season and last season as well in the midfield, particularly when he was moved to the left-hand side against QPR before half-time. Uh, are you entirely convinced he? is in fact a midfielder. Well, it's an interesting one, really, a strange one as well, I think, because he came through the system as a centre-back, but he was put into the first team initially as a midfielder, and it worked well, I think. The, sort of the second half of the relegation season a couple of years ago, he performed really well in midfield, looked promising, and uh, scored chipped in with a few goals as well, as he did last year. But I just don't... Well, I'm not sure, really, because he, his passing game really is fairly woeful at times and doesn't help when you're playing in the centre of the park when you can't find a teammate, whether he's five yards or 50 yards away. So I think from that perspective, possibly not. But and on the other hand, I think his tackling's often really good. He, he does break up attacks. But again, his positioning perhaps isn't so good. So it's, it is a strange one. But then you look... 
I doubt he's really at the stage to displace one of Baldwin or Coles at centre-back just yet. And the other thing is is his sort of pace as well. I think he does seem to move very sort of uneasily around the pitch. And I think if he was faced up against a quick striker and he was playing at centre-back, I think he'd get skinned time and time again. So I'm not quite sure where he fits in. I think at the moment, if you were going to play him, then you'd put him in, a, in the sort of holding role that he has been performing in. But I think with everyone fit, and if Doherty and Oakley and Sercom and sort of Gow and Keohane as well are all available in the middle of the park, then I don't think on current form Bennett would be getting in my starting eleven. Yeah, I tend to agree in a bit of a conundrum for Paul Tisdale uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, Hans, Jamie Reid looked lively when he came on towards the end against QPR. Is there a case for him to replace John O'Flynn in the starting eleven uh, for the next game on Saturday, uh, given O'Flynn hasn't made the best start to the campaign? I think um, Reid has to feature. He uh, came in on um, towards the end of the game on Saturday. I don't think that was enough time for him to really have got started. I think he needs longer than that. He um, has had uh, a good summer. You know, he's um, played for Northern Ireland in the Milk Cup and quite an experience. So um, I think hopefully he'll come back from that uh, a lot more mature. I don't think Tisdale will, um, however, use him too much. I think he'll make sure that he's kept in his place. Replacing John O'Flynn in the starting, I'm not sure. Um, I think that goes back to the comment I made earlier where it's um, about tactics, about using the players to the best of the ability and uh, remembering that there are other front men other than Sam Parkin. Okay, right then, we're going to discuss the Mansfield game later on. Uh, We're going to discuss the uh, Brazil day very shortly, but first, this is how you can get in touch with the show. You can tweet the show at Grecian Talk, email the show, Contact at grecientalk.co.uk or you can find us on Facebook. Okay, right. Now then, City will head to Rio next year to face Fluminense in a match celebrating 100 years since City were the opposition in what was the Brazil national team's first ever match. Hence, as something to really look forward to and celebrate. Yep, absolutely looking forward to it. I hope that um, I can find the money to go. Um, Something very different for uh, an away trip. Something quite incredible from our history to uh, celebrate. Let's hope that it works. Let's hope it goes together. Let's hope it's um, a huge success. Yeah, and uh, Paul, as much as I applaud the club for doing this third kit, I'm not entirely sure about it, though. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the best, is it, really? I mean, in theory, it was a great idea to obviously latch on to the Brazil connection and the centenary sin- or 100 years since we went out there and everything. Um, but I, I suppose it looks a bit of a knockoff effort, really, and it does obviously have the connotations with a Torquay United kit as well, which hasn't gone down particularly well, I don't think. But at the same time, I think, in a way, they're in a sort of no-win situation, really, because I think if they put loads of effort and loads of money into making a great Brazil-esque type kit, people would have moaned because they'd have said, well, it was only a third kit anyway, so how much will we actually use it? And with the current budget restraints, people might have made the point that money would be better spent on other things other than a third kit. So I think... I don't blame them for doing it sort of as a, well, keeping costs down on it, but that has had the knock-on effect of making the shirt perhaps not as nice as it could have been. So a good idea in theory, but perhaps could have been executed a bit better. Right, Mansfield now. We're going to discuss the game on Saturday and what was a decent away point for the Grecians at Field Mill, Hans. I wasn't there, but it did sound like a, a decent away point. It was excellent. I mean, you quite often think of a nil-nil would be uh, boring, but um, this is anything but. There were 31 attempts on target by the two teams, though only six, I think, were on, you know, at goal, sorry, and about only six were uh, on target. Um, Exeter unusually had 17. 
um, which is quite phenomenal, I think, from um, uh, what we've seen in the last couple of seasons. It was entertaining. There was a lot going on. It was just, um, as, you know, I talked about was the uh, tactics were possibly not quite right, and I think Paul Tisdale admitted that in saying that um, better decision-making was needed. Nice little ground, three sides to it, one side boarded up. The stewards were good to us. Um, we had a great one-minute celebration for uh, Adam Stansfield, um, for which um, the Mansfield fan fans uh, respected, and a number of them joined in. It was a good day out. It was um, good to see the um, the football, so that's four points from six. Not a bad start to the season, as uh, Tisdale has said. Yeah, and of course, three years on since Adam Stansfield's death, so a nice tribute to him there at the Mansfield game on Saturday. Uh, Hans, we'll stick with you. Uh, Dawson came on to replace the injured Jordan Moore Taylor early on. How did he fare in that role, and what did you make of the other City performances? Uh, Aaron Dawson came on and performed well. Um, I thought on the other side, Craig Woodman linked up well with David Wheeler. As I've already said, Aaron Davis had another impressive performance. Pat Baldwin and Danny Coles uh, were excellent in the uh, centre of defence. Surprised that Tommy Doherty um, didn't start. I much prefer him to play perhaps um, Scott Bennett. Um, yeah, there's plenty of positives uh, from that. There's Arthur in goal had a, a good performance and kept clean sheet. A couple of uh, really good saves to make sure that that happened. Yeah, OK. And uh, Paul, as we saw in the Football League show, a little piece on Mansfield with Mark Clement on Saturday. Now, ambitious Mansfield will be chasing another promotion. So a clean sheet and a point, not at all a bad result. Yeah, it's not at all. And um, especially as obviously they're newly promoted, they got a bit of momentum and in their first home game as well. So I think to come away from there with a point and a clean sheet is a job well done, really. And I think especially early on in the season, but there's sort of an unwritten rule throughout the season, really win your home games and get something on the road, draw your away games. And that's what they've done in the first two games. So yeah, start the season unbeaten after the first two is a really good, decent start. We're going to discuss Alan Gower and Matt Oakley briefly, Pants. Do you know what's happened to them? I presume Oakley isn't yet up to fitness, but Gow wasn't needing the team on Saturday. Yeah, I think with Oakley, there's another couple of weeks away from uh, returning. There's um, a problem with Coder and the operation that he had, so um, that will take for a bit longer. Gow travelled with the team. There's a story on um, the Mansfield Town fan site, Stagsnet, about a taxi driver that picked up Gow and um, was team hotel and dropped him off at Mansfield station because he was off to Glasgow so um, yeah he travelled so it must have been uh, failed a late fitness test something about a dead leg I think I've uh, read so I would guess that um, at least Gary will feature next Saturday I would hope that Oakley um, does I'm not entirely sure who will make way for Oakley or in fact who will make way for Gow. be an interesting one to see next Saturday if they both fit how exactly that midfield is going to line up yeah, it will be, because when they are fit, they are good players at this level, especially Alan Gower, who can be one of the best in the division on his day. OK, right, League 2 discussion briefly now. And uh, Paul, we'll start with you. Chesterfield have made a flying start to the season, and with the signing of Gary Roberts, really look like they mean business. Yeah, they do, and Gary Roberts, I think, will prove to be an excellent player at this level, especially. And I think Chesterfield, yeah, are hotly tipped, really. There are a lot of people's tips to go up the season I put them in my league winners accumulator prior to the start of the season so yeah. on my betting form that means they'll probably come mid-table but I think a lot of their fans are hopeful that this could be their year to go up and I think they've got a good side there uh, they came fairly close last year they had a bit of a late surge and nearly got in the playoffs and I think with the additions of people like Roberts and um, then they could sort of go 
go another step this year and push on and get into League One. And uh, yeah, a good win. Cheltenham will probably be there or thereabouts as well, so it was good for Chesterfield to defeat them at the weekend. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of cement themselves in the top three or four as the season goes on. Yep, and uh, Andy Folks, who we spoke to last season, and hopefully we'll speak to him again, Cheltenham fan. I'm sure he's enjoying his side's early form. Uh, Hence, the same can't be said for Plymouth Argyle. Three defeats out of three, and a sense of deja vu for the Pilgrims. I think this has come with a bit of a surprise. Um, I think people thought that Sheridan get them off to a better start. It's um, a lot more of his team now, you know, a lot of the uh, Deadwood has gone. However, they've not settled in time. Two defeats out of two. The Argyle fans are very unhappy with the performance on Saturday. Um, I think the um, the highest rating was um, that they were dreadful. <laughs> you know, and the rest of them were, uh, you know, so it was a lot worse than that. So, so far, not so good for uh, Argyle. Of course, we'll keep all Exeter City fans more than happy. Yeah, very much so. And I have to admit, I was enjoying listening to Gordon Sparks on Radio Devon on Saturday, uh, moaning at the defeat. But uh, I did have them down, actually, down towards the bottom of the table. I'm not really convinced about the signings they've made not very impressed and it could well be another season of struggle for Argyle but we'll have to wait and see as for their neighbours Torquay Paul they've made a, some decent signings such as uh, former Rotherham Loney Courtney Cameron and Carl Hawley so it'll be interesting to see how they get on yeah I mean they've had a sort of solid if unspectacular start to the season really 2-1 all draws I think and um, I think yeah home to Wimbledon and away at Morecambe so yeah it's, I mean it's it's all right, really. And I think that's going to be sort of set the tone for their season, really. I think they'll do just about enough, perhaps, to stay up, but nothing much more than that. Perhaps lower mid-table, maybe even dragged into a relegation fight. I just don't think they've really got the quality or, or the budget, probably, to go much higher than that. And uh, so it's still strange, their managerial situation with Alan Neal as well. I'd be surprised if he's still there at the end of the season, really. Um, because I, I don't think he's a particularly impressive manager, really. So, um, no, it will be interesting. They've made some decent signings, but I can't see them p- particularly advancing above mid-table, really, this year. No. And uh, what do you think, Paul Exeter? Number one side in Devon again this season? Uh, well, I surely hope so. And, uh, yeah, I think they will be. I think uh, Plymouth and Torquay will be sort of lower mid-table, and I think Exeter, hopefully, top half. So, yeah, I think they will be. Do you agree with that, Hans? Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of the season will go roughly as we expect. So I've kind of had Argyle up in the um, top eight, but um, so far I'm wrong on that one. I'm not too unhappy with that. Great, excellent stuff. Right, uh, one thing left for this week's show, and that's the preview of uh, the who are we playing on Saturday. More uh, Wimbledon at home, of course. The Brazil Day on Saturday, I think so. Anyway, uh, Brazilian passport holders can get into St James Park for free. So have a little dig around in your drawers to see if you've got one. Um, Paul, your thoughts ahead of the match? Uh, well, it'll be an interesting one, actually. I think uh, the AFC Wimbledon home game last year was a came at a critical time. Exeter sort of reversed a poor run of form and won 2-0. Uh, I think Wimbledon may well sort of struggle again. They escaped on the last day last season. I don't think they've added a great deal of quality to that side. So I think it's a good chance for Exeter to continue the good start and uh, also try and continue their 100% home league record, which would be a, a sort of a real boost uh, particularly bearing in mind their home form from last year so um, no, I think it'll be a good game and I'd be surprised to see the attendance boosted by too many Brazilians in the crowd but I'm willing to be proved wrong on that one But and I think it's a good chance for Exeter to continue their good early season form as well Yeah and you never know there might be a few Brazilians there uh, I have to say I, I watched Wimbledon last season at the park 
it was a, a Tuesday night game, I think, and they were absolutely awful, particularly in the first half. They could hardly string together two passes. It was the worst team I think I've seen at the park. So, hence, I'm sure they'll be better this time round. I would have thought so, but we've got a new way of playing this season, which is a, a lot more direct, not hoof football, of course, but um, a lot more direct football. I think uh, Wimbledon will get a bit of a surprise. But they've not had a bad start, so, um, you know, it's not not going to be an easy game. I don't think, um, you know, we're going to thrash them or anything. I think it could be a tight game. I think it could be another 2-1 at best for uh, Exeter. OK, and Paul, what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to be positive on this one. I think Exeter will take it 3-1. And Hans, I think you heard you saying 2-0? 2-1 to Exeter. Oh, 2-1. All right, I'm going to go for a comprehensive 3-0 win. We'll have to wait and see how that one goes on. Should be a good day on Saturday. And that's about it for this week's Grecian Talk. So uh, thanks very much for your company, Paul and... Well, the two Pauls, thank you for joining me. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for another edition. So uh, do join us then. In the meantime, thanks for listening and goodbye.